podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Joined now by Mike Plank, uh, editor in chief here at Rock Talk Talk. We are going to talk a little bit of football tonight. How you doing, Mike? Well, you know, I'm uh, I'm hanging in there, I suppose. <laughs> well, that's always a good thing. <laughs> we, we haven't had a chance to really talk about football since the spring game happened, so I think we're going to go ahead and start with that. Um, did you get a chance to watch the spring game? And if so, what what kind of uh, impressions did you take away from the game overall? Uh, well, Andy, you know, the sound that you just heard was uh, 90% of our listeners uh, clicking forward to the next section. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and talk football for the remaining eight people still listening. Sounds good. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it was a pretty typical spring game. Yeah, you know, I had the recap on the site, what, a week or so ago? Was it two weeks now, maybe? Two weeks ago? Yeah. They- and, uh, you know, the, the, they ran one trick play. They ran a, you know, a wide receiver, flea flicker, reverse pass down the field. Um, everything was pretty vanilla, uh, especially especially on offense. Um, you know, you, you could see the talent in the receivers. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Charlotte made a pretty good play in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, Chase Harrell made a ridiculous catch along the sideline. Uh, uh, in, and you could see the talent all over the place. You know, Mike Lee about knocked out two of his teammates and <laughs> – I mean, that kid's going to kill somebody this fall, I swear. Uh, I but, think uh, he's going to be a sophomore coming into this year. I know it. I know it. Uh, he's going to be fun to watch, I think. Uh, I, I don't remember. Did he lead the, the Big 12 in missed tackles last year? Did I see that stat somewhere along the line Yeah, I believe last so. year? I mean, he wasn't he, – he came on really, really strong at the end, and so we kind yeah. of remember that he had a good overall year especially since he was, you know, critical to that win over Texas. Hey, KUB Texas football. Sorry, had to get that in there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, he definitely came on strong, but he was not really that good going into, you know, coming out of that, that first half of the year. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to hear, you know, he, he was bad enough with missed tackles at the beginning of the year to kind of keep that going throughout the entire year, even though he had lots of critical plays at the end of the year for us. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, uh, I mean, that, that, that kind of gets us a little bit away. But, I mean, again, just the, the, about the spring game, there, there wasn't a lot to take away from it. Uh, you know, the quarterbacks spread the ball all over. There were a lot. <laughs> again, there were a lot of short passes, uh, not a lot of, of looking down the field. Uh, but uh, hopefully that will change a little bit more as the players get more comfortable with Doug Meacham and as he gets more comfortable with his players. And they add more and more of the offense into it because, I mean, you, you have to get the ball down the field. You just have to. That, uh, that, and I keep saying, and may, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but I just there's got to be more room down the middle of the field than there is toward the sidelines. Uh, you know, that sideline's an extra defender almost, and uh, I mean, it's just there's got to be more room in the middle and down the field than there is uh, going, you know, horizontally. Uh, but uh, as for the spring game, I mean, there, there's not really a lot you can take away from it. Uh, like I said, the receivers looked really good, and the in the plays that they had, uh, the running backs were not inspiring, but you know, there's help on the way there. Uh, you know, we got a four-star kid coming in, uh, Dom Williams, uh, very, very highly regarded recruit coming in this fall. He should be helped. And then we've got the, 
the number one JUCO running back, but stop me if you've heard that before. Uh, but he'll be in again this summer. Um, defense you couldn't really get a lot of a lot of a handle on, you know, because the quarterbacks were re- wearing red shirts, and as soon as somebody got within two yards of the quarterback, they blew it dead. Right. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I saw that uh, quote from Dorrance Armstrong. He was really really frustrated. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to hit someone and he wasn't allowed to. So right. Yeah. I mean, it, it does make it kind of hard to kind of tell you know, what we've got on defense, although we didn't really need to see what we had on defense. I mean, we, we know that we've got a, a pretty good defense coming back um, with a, with most of the main contributors coming back. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't necessarily too concerned. I mean, the ones that we did need to see would kind of be that secondary when we lost Fish Smithson and a few other ones um, of those those cornerbacks. So, I mean, it, it, would, it would have been nice to kind of see them test down the field, especially since, you know, the quarterbacks knew they weren't going to get hit. <laughs> so right, it's nice right. to kind of see them, you know, move around in the pocket a little bit. Um, maybe you know, do a couple bootlegs to kind of see how well they can run out to the side and still get good throws downfield. Um, the one thing that you did say about you know have, having more room in the middle of the field, I think part of the problem there though is, at least from what I saw last year and the and the few highlights that I saw, our receivers were still having problems getting off the line cleanly. Um, ultimately, you know, they could end up building up some speed and and burning away from some guys, but. Uh, if, if they can't get off that line cleanly, it's really hard to find the open space that would be there in the middle of the field um, before the safety can kind of cheat over and, and stop that. So I think that's sure. kind of part of our problem. Um, we have a lot of speed guys at wide receiver, um, you know, and we do have some big guys that can kind of take a hit and still get down on their route, but we don't really have someone that can find that open hole quickly, uh, which is what we've needed with that offensive line that we have. So hopefully the offensive line, um, it's going to be a little bit better, kind of give them some more time. But that's kind of really the big thing, I think, that we need to look for going into the year, yeah. uh, which is a nice natural segue. Uh, we did actually just yesterday, we're recording this this podcast on Friday night. So um, just yesterday and this morning, it was kind of big news that we received um, a grad transfer from Nebraska. And I forgot to pull his name back up. If you happen to have it, Mike, go ahead and jump in. Uh, I will have it here in about five seconds. But uh yeah, I don't know how. I mean, it, it's big that he's uh, his name's Zach Hannon, and he's a graduate transfer. He'll be he'll be eligible immediately. But from what I can tell, he didn't play much at Nebraska. Um, he redshirted his freshman year, obviously, and uh, I think the last couple of years he he's been either a special teamer or some kind of a backup. He he just hasn't he never got on the field up there. And yeah. I mean, look looking at what we have on offensive line, I don't know if that's I don't know if I expect him to come in and start or not. I don't know if I want a graduate senior coming in and starting. Like, what does that tell you about the guys we have on the line right now? So right. Uh, hopefully he comes in and provides some solid depth, but I, I don't know that I'm super excited that, yay, we got this stud offensive lineman coming in. I just don't know if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, the one the one thing I will say is that uh, he was being projected to be a starter on the Nebraska offensive line this year. Oh, was he? Okay, I hadn't um, seen that. Or if not a starter, then like the first backup. Um, so he was expected to get a decent amount of time up there at Nebraska. But um, you know, I saw a lot of talk about you know he had to, he had some some family issues that he's dealing with some some medical issues. Right. Yeah. He wants to come back closer to home, and he's from Kansas City, so it makes perfect sense for him to want to come back to the area here. Um, so ho- hopefully everything kind of proportionally goes well with him, and he can focus on football at that point, and and can you know, kind of deliver on some of that promise that they were kind of hoping for. Uh, I did see a quote. It looked like they were they were a little bit more disappointed than you would normally 
here publicly that he was leaving. So that at least gives me some hope that he can come in and contribute. But, um, you know, the, I, I guess the other thing he has going for him is that our offensive coordinator is new as well. So maybe he'll see something in there. Doug, Doug Meacham will see something in him and will want to get him on the field and do something a little bit different. Um, but with all the continuity that we have coming from last year, uh, if I if I remember correctly, I believe we only lost one of our offensive linemen from last year. I, I might need you to double check on that for me. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be kind of hard for him to come in unless he just blows everybody away in camp. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're returning four starters on the line, if that's right. Uh, I know I know Adenogy will be back, and he'll he'll probably play that left tackle. Uh, he was the kid who whose peanut allergy kept him out of Air Force and was scrambling for a school and we got lucky there. Like, I, I think he could be a, a solid, solid tackle there. Uh, I think Jason Rhodes is our only senior, and uh, he should be a starter this year. Mesa Riberty, uh, another sophomore, should be a starter. Uh, and then two juniors on the right side, Larry Hughes and, and the Alabama transfer, Charles Baldwin. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, look, looking at the projected depth chart, I mean, we've got five sophomores on the two deep uh, and just one senior. So there's a lot of youth there. I think there's some some talent there. Uh, it's going to be up to to Zach Yenser and to uh, and to Doug Meacham to to turn that into a cohesive unit that can give whoever ends up being the quarterback time to throw the ball and have the receivers get that separation that they need. Yeah, definitely. All right, just uh, one other bit of recruiting news. We had a uh, the there was a, a two-way player out of Wichita that signed with us. His uh, brother actually is a player up at K-State. Uh, so we were able to get the younger one to come up to Kansas, which is, I mean, I, I don't know how much of a coup it was just because I'm not sure. Looks like he was a two-star prospect. Um, so, it's, I mean, again, it's, it's, a, it's a Kansas guy deciding to come to Kansas instead of K-State, which is always good to kind of win any kind of battle we have recruiting-wise. Uh, he was offered by K-State. Um, so, I mean, it's not like they didn't want him or anything. Um, I, I don't know that I can get too excited about this, this particular prospect, just looking at it. Um, but, you know, it is always kind of good to win any kind of recruiting battle we do have with, with uh, K-State there. So any, any thoughts on him? Yeah, I hadn't seen where he had actually received an official offer from K-State. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, regardless, you know, he obviously he has one brother playing there now. He had one that played there recently from – what, 2012 to 2015, I think. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, kind of like when Kerry Meyer came to Kansas after his couple of older brothers had gone to K state. Uh, I mean, obviously he's not a quarterback or anything. He, he projects as a, as a project, uh, as an offensive lineman. Uh, what was he? Six, five, two fifty, I think. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely exciting when you get a kid like that out of, out of Wichita and, uh, you know, out of the K state family. So that'll, It'll be interesting to see if he sticks around for four years and if he's able to contribute. Yeah, it should be good. All right. Well, um, at this point, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We will be right back to talk more uh, KU football in just a moment here on the Rock Chalk Talk Podcast. All right, and, and we're back here on the Rock Chalk Talk Podcast. Again, this is Andy Mitz. I'm talking with uh, Mike Plank tonight. We're talking football. Um We've we've kind of talked a little bit about the spring game and about the uh, the depth chart a little bit coming up with with the uh, recruiting news that we've had. Let's uh, go ahead and turn our time our, our attention next to the NFL draft. Um, you know, there's been a lot of excitement 
um, in the first couple days already so far. Unfortunately, nothing has been kind of related here to KU. Um, but let's actually go ahead and talk about the one likely person who is going to get drafted, Fish Smithson. Um, right now he is graded out at a sixth or seventh round grade. Um, there are a lot of people that are talking about how he's a little bit undersized and that may be a, a, an issue. Um, do, you, do you think that he does get drafted and you have any ideas on what team you think he might go to or, or who you would like to see him go to? Oh, gosh. You know, I, I trying to predict a sixth or seventh round pick is, I mean, you may as well buy a, a pick yeah. three lottery ticket and see what you know. Well, I, I have the, no idea. Well, what about who do you think he would be a good fit for or who do you think might be able to kind of develop him into a player that might be able to stick, even as a backup in the NFL? Right. I'm, I am guessing, uh, you know, and I obviously don't know fish or anything like that, but I'm guessing maybe his upside would be, uh, oh my gosh, my mind went blank. The kid playing for the Daryl Stuckey playing for the chargers. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a special teams contributor, uh, you know, maybe a backup at safety, something like that. Uh, I mean, dude has good ball instincts. Uh, you know, we, we saw that from, his last couple of years here at Kansas. And uh, I definitely think he can contribute in the NFL. If, like you said, he goes to somebody that, uh, you know, is, is looking for a Daryl Stuckey ish type player. Uh, I, I don't know who that is at this point. Uh, it, it really depends on how the rest of the draft goes. I mean, there's, there's probably a dozen guys like fish Smithson in this year's NFL draft pool. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think just of a place where he might have a good fit. Um, you know, I'm thinking of some place, as, as much as I hate to say it, like the Oakland Raiders. Um, they, they tend to kind of take – well, I mean, the fact that they have uh, Ben Heaney over there, you know, it would be kind of nice to have another KU guy for uh, Fish to kind of power around with there. And, and I mean, I, I do think that they kind of have a history of taking undersized guys and at least making them somewhat um, competitive. Um, part of that, I think, is just the fact that they, you know, they, they got to the point where their, their drafting was so bad with Al Davis that they kind of just had to find whoever they could and kind of force them into that. But, they, I mean, they, they've done decently well to develop a pretty good defense over there, um, even with some guys that you probably wouldn't have thought of um, would be good contributors to, to one sure. of the upper-level defenses. So as much as I hate to say it, I, I really wouldn't want them to go there, but I think that might be a kind of situation or someone like that um, that, that might be able to help develop his skills. Ultimately, I do, I do agree with you. I think he's going to end up being more of a, a backup-type player that's going to he- feature heavily on special teams. Um, kind of his, his football instincts, I could see him being one of the lead special teams guys who, you know, is good with that, with that coverage ability. Um, and, and, I, I mean, I, I could see him making himself a, a decent career out of that, just being a backup in the NFL. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't. I don't really want to get too deep into the NFL draft itself, uh, given the the wide array of teams that uh, our our readership roots for. So let's jump back over. Um, we we did have a couple questions come in on Twitter uh, for for the Q and A there. Um, actually, both of them came from the same person. It's Rob O'Shea um, at Rob RB twenty three. Uh, he asked. Who is KU's starting quarterback week one, Bender or Stanley? And, and what are the expectations for them? I'll, I'll let you go ahead and get started on that, Mike. What do you- <laughs> oh, gee, thanks. Yeah. Uh, so, you, yeah, so you're going to ask me to, to read David Beatty's mind and, and, and make a prediction. That, that's fine. I actually think this one is pretty easy. Um, as, much as, uh, as much as we all seem to love Carter Stanley, uh, I, I just 
I don't think that Beatty can bring in a guy like Peyton Bender. Uh, you know, what was he a so was he a four star prospect or a three coming out of high school? But regardless, he you know, kid that Mike Leach wanted, went to Washington State, played a few games there before ran into some ran into some trouble, had to go to community uh college. But uh you don't bring in a kid like that uh without planning on starting him. I mean <laughs> no offense to, to to Carter Stanley, but I, I just don't see any way that he beats out Peyton Bender for the starting job. But if he does, you know, then, you know, I think Carter Stanley is going to be one hell of a quarterback if he does. Uh, as for expectations, gosh, I don't know. You know, we, our, we had our expectations set, well, some of us did, when so high when Jay Keeps and Dane Christ and those guys came training through Lawrence, and, and that was just uh, one, one flame out after another. Uh, I don't think he has quite that kind of reputation. You know, wasn't a top recruit, wasn't anything like that. But uh, expectations, I don't know, throw the ball down the field, man. Uh, he's got two five-star receivers running around in that secondary uh, with Gonzalez and with Baldwin. And, uh, I mean, the the KU offense has a chance to put some points up. I think it's all going to boil down. We kind of mentioned this earlier. It's all, all going to boil down to that offensive line. Can they – Take a step forward. Can they protect the quarterback? Can they give him four, five, six seconds to find a receiver and get the ball to him? Uh, you know that that's going to be the key. And uh, you know we'll. we'll uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer the expectations questions. What, what were you thinking on that? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I do have to agree with you that I, I do think that Bender ultimately wins the job. And and honestly, I think this is a lot more of what we saw last year, where they just didn't want to commit to one. One, because they weren't really sure which way they were going to go. And I think a lot of that had more had to do with what they were trying to figure out still what kind of scheme exactly they wanted to run. Obviously, they're going to run the air raid because that's you know kind of Beatty's thing. But there are definitely a lot of different ways to do the air raid. Um, and the, the three quarterbacks that we had last year were kind of all um, better at running one particular facet of it. Um, and so I, I think that that's kind of part of the issue here is that there's still kind of that uncertainty, especially with Doug Meacham coming in um, and him still needing time to kind of really figure out how exactly he wants to run the offense. At least I'm assuming he's going to be running the offense. If if if, if we brought him in and Beatty is still going to be calling the plays, then there's a real big problem and um, yeah. it's going to be a nice long year for, for KU football fans again. Um, you know, I, I do think, though, that it's right now at this point, Meacham is still kind of getting a, a handle on everything, exactly what he wants to do. And I really think that's the only reason they haven't declared one. Well, that and the, the whole optics of, well, it's a battle for everybody in camp and we don't want to you know, make anybody think that they've earned it and don't have to keep working for it, which, to be honest, I think is a load of crap at times. But yeah. I, I do think that Bender is going to go ahead and, and, and win it. I mean, we, we, we talk about how much we love Stanley, um, but really I think that has more just to do with his role in that Texas win last year. So I'm not really sold on him long-term as, as our quarterback of the future. I think he's a capable backup. He can come in in a pinch in a game or two um, and kind of perform well and kind of keep it going. But I think Bender is definitely sure. more the kind of quarterback you want leading the program um, and leading that, that offense long-term over the course of the season. Expectation-wise, I, I agree that we should be slinging the ball all over the field. Um, you know, we have all of this incredible wide receiver core. I mean, honestly, I think I think it's it's easy to make the argument that this could probably be the best group of wide receivers we have had 
um, even including the time that Mangino was here. I mean, and, and that's saying a lot with Briscoe and, uh, and Meyer in that one year um, and everybody that they had to kind of back them up. We have a lot of talent wow. in, in the receiving positions this year. Um, the real problem is just going to be, are we going to have a line that can give them a chance to get it down the field? Um, we saw how horrible that was just to, you know, the dink and dunk passes all year long and everybody knew to look for it and nobody really had to even, um, you know, protect downfield at all except for the right. additional time that, well, and, and even then, Stephen Sims, you know, he had those huge long plays, but most of them were right around the line of scrimmage and he just made a guy miss. Um, yep. So, I mean, yeah. We, yeah, we, we hadn't even I, talked about him yet, so yeah. Well, right, exactly. But, I mean, you know, that is going to be the key to this year is we have to have an offensive line that can protect our quarterback, whoever it is, enough that he can get those throws down the field. It happened for us in that Texas game. Um, and it gave Stanley a little bit of time to kind of get that down the field. Um, but it wasn't consistent, and we have to have that consistency, um, you know, giving them at least four or five seconds back in the pocket to be able to find someone and throw it to them. Um, so I think that's really what it's going to come down to. It's kind of hard to get expectations for the quarterback without talking about the expectations for that offensive line. Hopefully having another year together with the same offensive line coach and kind of building that continuity will help them to be able to protect a little bit better. And hopefully we'll, we'll be able to talk about, you know, a surprising performance from the KU offense. Um, I, you know, I really think that there's a shot this year that KU could surprise a lot of people. Um, if, if the line is good, KU does have the talent to, you know, get close to 500 this year even. Um, but that's a big if with, with, with that line, especially when we talk about some of those oversized um, defensive lines that we're going to see going up against in, in conference play. So, um, yeah, uh, that is a big if. And, uh, I mean, the other thing, we kind of talked about this earlier again, too, but, you know, the, the front seven is going to be one of the best front sevens in the conference. But that secondary is a big question mark. We lost a lot of guys. Off. I mean, Mike Lee's the only one back in that secondary. True. So, you know, we're going to have to rely on JUCO transfers and on, on some of these three-star recruits that we got the last year or two stepping up and, and playing at a Big 12 level. So there's big question mark in the secondary, big question mark on the offensive line. Yep. So, again, it really comes down to the trenches. If, if our front seven can disrupt the line long enough uh, or, or fast enough that they can't throw down the field, then we're pretty set. And we got to make sure that our line can hold long enough to let us get it down down the field, which honestly is kind of par for the course in the Big 12. The Big 12 defensive. Sure. It's kind of a, you know, try to burn me. And if you can, well, then there's nothing we can really do about it. So, <laughs> um, you know, we were, I think we were a little bit of an anomaly last year in that we were able to perform so well because we had a, an entire defensive unit. Um, even though the, the cornerbacks were kind of our weakest spot, they were at least competent enough that they could restrict a lot of it until everybody just kind of wore out because their offense couldn't stay on the field. So. Right, yeah. All right, so again from, uh, from Rob O'Shea here, he asked us as well, um, can Beatty and Hull keep the recruiting success up? I think that's kind of a two-part thing. Are we looking at recruiting overall? And um, bringing Hull into that, I think, is kind of specifically talking about that Louisiana pipeline um, that, that, that we've had for, for a little bit here. Um, you know, mentioning our recruiting class for 2018, as of right now, is still in the top 20. Um, so it is still a, a phenomenal class for us going into this next year. Is that, you know, obviously we still need to hold on to a lot of these guys and, and kind of hope that we're not going to get anyone poached. Um, but ultimately, I mean, I'll kind of add my own question onto that um, in terms of, you know, what would you consider to be this type of recruiting success? 
Um, are, are we expecting KU to kind of have like a top 50 recruiting class, um, or is that even asking for too much? I don't think that's asking for too much. I I mean, we consistently, even uh, I mean, even with you know Gill and and uh, Weiss and those guys, we, you know, we would consistently out recruit the K states and Iowa states of the world uh, in terms of recruiting classes, but it would never manifest itself on the field because of you know the, the quality of the head coach, right? Uh, there was no, you know, we haven't seen any player development since Mark Mangino. Uh, you know, well, that's not fair, I guess. You know, we saw Ben Heaney develop into an NFL draft pick and Ja'Cory Shepard and a couple of other guys. But uh, we haven't seen much player development in the last seven years. Um, well, I think you could also yeah. argue that those guys, they weren't really developed too much. They were, I mean, they were they were really good coming out. It's not like, you know, they had really bad freshman years or even like mediocre freshman years. And then all of a sudden they were, you know, beasts in, in, in their senior year. They all had above average, you know, first couple of years, and then they were just naturally able to develop, um, you know, in their in their final years. And finally, they had a big enough role that people kind of started to realize what was going on for them. Um, I wouldn't even say that we really, you know, had a lot of development of them. Uh, they just happened to be so much further ahead of everyone else. And I think, honestly, a lot of them were kind of underrated coming out just because of where they came from or, um, you know, there might have been some other issues that kind of kept their ratings down. Um, so, I mean, I, I think I think we've seen that a couple times where a guy will come in and, you know, he's rated as a two or three star, but he's actually a whole lot better. Just people didn't get out to see him enough and, and rate him properly. Um, hey, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that we had a lot of player development going on for for anybody, honestly. But sorry, sorry to interrupt. I, I, I can I can listen to that argument. I mean, that that's that's fair. I don't have any. Any disagreement, any major disagreement with that, but uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, remind me of what I was talking about. I guess. Yeah, sorry. So, so we were we were talking about recruiting success. Uh, talk about oh, recruiting success. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think the first thing that we need to, I mean, David Beatty has been impressive. I would say to this point, considering what he took over, and you know, we and we've read all the articles about you know, you know. 62 scholarship players and South Dakota state had more scholarship players than we did in the, his first game and yada, you know, and so on and so forth. Right. So this, this 2018, this next year's recruiting class is the big key. Like you've already mentioned, it's top 20. It's basically top 20 because we have two four-star guys in it and nobody else is really, you know, committed, especially, you know, that, you know, uh, there's not a lot of verbal commits out there. We have eight total commitments right now. Two of those guys are four-star guys. Uh, one guy's unrated, and the rest of them are three-star guys. So, <laughs> you know, so it's it's not a, a super impressive class as it is right now. If, if he adds five more four-star guys, then, yeah, that'd be incredible. Uh, but for us to judge Beatty as a recruiter, I think we need at least this one more year to see if these guys hold their, you know, to see if they get them on campus. Uh, you know, that the KU Sports, uh, Lawrence Journal World, just had a story out the other day about the receiver out of Louisiana, and I cannot for the life of me think of his name. Um, the four-star kid, the number 25 player, not receiver, the number 25 player in the country uh, in the recruiting rankings uh, has 27 other offers. Every SEC school is after this kid. Yeah. And he, and, and, you know, he said, you know, Kansas is still my number one, but LSU and Mississippi State are my solid number twos. And it's, you know, 
And he said, I'm just trying to be fair to everybody. Well, you know, if he ends up signing that kid and bringing him to the Lawrence along with his four-star defensive back teammate, you know, uh, that's recruiting success to me. And if if they can get those two guys to hold their commitments and they don't even need to add to the, if the rest of the class is three-star guys, if they can get those two guys, uh, I, I think that that qualifies as recruiting success. That gives us a – that's got to give us a top 50 class, right? I mean, yeah, probably. I would think that's highly rated as those two kids are. Uh, it's got to, and uh, I, I think that would be a just just a coup, and and uh, I, I definitely think you have to qualify that as success, uh, and, and then we can start having the conversation about can Baby and Hole keep it up? As long as and they're paying Hole, you know, big money now to be an assistant head coach now, right? I think. Right. Uh, so I, as long as he's happy here and happy doing that and, and those two stay together, then, yeah, I think they will keep it up. But I, I think we still need one more year before we can really have this conversation and have it honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, I, I think that that's fair. Um, it is, I mean, it's really hard to kind of keep that um, recruiting class together, I think. Um, I mean, it helps to have the, the Louisiana connection and kind of be pulling a bunch of guys from the same area. Um, but, you know, right down there in the heart of SEC country, and like you were saying, they all have multiple offers from SEC schools. It's going to be hard, I think, to keep every single one of them. If they do, man, that, that, is, that is huge. Um, but at this point, you're right. I think it's a little disingenuous to kind of talk about recruiting success when we're basing it off of a class that actually isn't final. Um, right. If, if we were at the point where everybody was signed, and, and kind of the one thing that we had talked about when those NCAA changes are, are, are happening, I think that early signing period in December is really going to help us out with this kind of stuff where we can have, you know, half these guys, we can get them to sign. Um, and if we can sign a four, you know, or even maybe somehow come away with a five-star at some point that signs early, that immediately gives us a big jump. I think the one thing that we can say, though, is, you know, the, the, the conversation around KU recruiting has changed since Beatty came here. Um, a lot of times you would see, you know, people talking about or waiting, waiting to verbally commit to Charlie Weiss until it pretty much became apparent that they didn't really have any other good options for a lot of playing. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and when, when that's the only thing that you're kind of selling is, you know, everyone else is crap. We're going to give you tons of playing time. It doesn't really inspire any confidence in the program. It doesn't inspire a lot of people, you know, wanting to come because they see something building. It's uh, I'm coming because I want to get mine. And that's about it. Um, Beatty has talked the program up so much. He's brought in the guys that can kind of sell the vision of what the program's becoming that even the conversation about KU recruiting has changed so much um, that we actually have a shot to get a lot of these guys that want to build something, that want to leave a legacy. And, and I think that's probably the biggest success we can point to right now is that even getting these guys to agree to verbally commit is probably something that, that Weiss wouldn't have been able to do and Gil definitely wouldn't have been able to do just because there was no – I mean, there was, there was nothing there – um, just in terms of inspiring people to want to come here and want to try to turn this around. So I'll give him that so far for his success, but in, until we actually turn this into consistently getting solid recruiting classes, and, and, and I do think a solid recruiting class is probably in the 50 to 60 range, um, just because, you know, the way that the recruiting class is set up, you know, they had so many points for a guy of so many stars um, that typically if you've got, you know, in a, as a Big 12 or a, a Power 5 conference, School, if you've got a full class, um, there's really no reason you shouldn't be able to get into the top 60. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. The, only, the only time I think I've seen where it's been kind of justified, I think there was one year that K-State ended up at like 90, 
94 or something like that, but I think they only signed 12 players or something. Um, I mean, if, if you have something like that, and, and I know KU's done that a couple times too, where they just don't really have anybody um, because of scholarship issues. They're, they're limited on how many they can actually sign. Um, that's really, I think, the only reasonable excuse for not having a top 50 or 60 recruiting class every year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see the potential there on the recruiting. I am definitely um, a little bit concerned about it, being able to keep it up, but there's definitely some, some, some positive signs there. So. All right. Well, let's um, let's take a quick look as well. Kind of kind of tying into that, um, you know, are, are there uh, where do you see the, the the football program at this point? I mean, there's been a lot of changes recently, um, and and obviously we're kind of hoping that that leads to long-term improvement and long-term success. But where I mean, where do you see this? this uh, program going with the, with the direction that we've taken, at least in the offseason. I mean, we were able to, you know, come up with a big victory last year and turn that into um, success. You know, obviously the team has improved in the last couple of years. We got a big, huge signing of an offensive coordinator stolen away from a conference rival in TCU. I mean, it looks like things are kind of trending up, but do you see that continuing into the future? I mean, do we see Beatty here long-term or – or at least what Beatty is building here long-term, or are we kind of getting, bracing ourselves for a, for a rude awakening here in the next few years? Well, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Andy. You, you might be asking the wrong person, simply because uh, when it comes to Kansas football, I am one of the few eternal optimists. Uh, however, that said, so t- take this with a grain of salt, but that said, I I honestly do. I think the arrow's trending up. Uh, you know, when we had Gill and Weiss here, it was very hard for even me to say that. You know, you had the the best you could say, even the optimists. The best we could say was, well, at least we're not getting any worse. You know, unfortunately, we were wrong <laughs> because we saw what happened. Uh, but I I do I do think the the arrow's trending up. I you know Kansas football is getting headlines. Uh, being a you know <laughs> David Beatty's what two and. 22 or something as a, as a coach here at Kansas and, and KU football is getting re- recruiting headlines. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible what's going on. Uh, and, and the, the momentum around the program, the, uh, you know, and I, a couple of months ago, was it right after signing day? I think right. they had, they had an open house that I wrote about on the site. Uh, they had an, and they, they had called people, you know, from their database or whatever. I, I assume mostly season ticket holders, but they called people and they said, hey, come on out to the Anderson Football Complex. And they just had the whole thing opened up. You could walk around. I talked to Cassius Sindish for probably 10 or 15 minutes in the weight room. Just, you know, kind of, just you know, shooting the whatever, you know, with former KU player who's a graduate assistant coach now. And, uh, you know, you, David Beatty was in his office and he's shaking everybody's hand. And, you know, he's, thanks for coming out. We really appreciate his handed little footballs to – you know, little kids and babies, and uh, it's almost like the dude was running for president or something. You know, I mean, he was literally kissing babies and shaking hands. And uh, you know, the the assistant coach Doug Meacham was there, and everybody was there, and everybody was smiling and having a good time. And the whole facility was open. You could walk into the weight room. You could walk into the to the training area, to the locker room, which was incredible, by the way. Uh, I, I mean, I. <laughs> I don't even have words to describe it, but um, I mean, is it just everything is going 
in an upward direction, I think, right now from, you know, facilities to recruiting, coaching, hopefully, you know, bringing in Meacham and, and having him run the offense. Uh, hopefully that arrow is pointing up too. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be – I'm going to hope for four wins. I'm going to be okay with three. I'll be disappointed if we don't get at least three wins this year. And, I'm, you know, I'm shooting for a bowl game next year. You know, we're going to have a bunch of juniors on the offensive line. We're going to have a senior uh, quarterback, you know, hopefully, in, in Peyton Bender. Uh, we're going to have these talented receivers. I mean, <laughs> if we don't go to a bowl game in 2018, I, I don't know that, uh, you know, Kansas may as well just fold up the football program because it, it's never going to happen if it doesn't happen in 2018, I think. Or at least so. so uh, does that answer your question good enough, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I do have to agree. I mean, I think I think really the main thing, like I said before, that, that Beatty has brought is the change in optics on the program. And, I mean, we've seen time and time again that, you know, if, if you don't have the support of the donors, you don't have the support of the alumni, you don't have that public support, it's really hard to keep a football program going. There's just so much buy-in you have to have from the community um, and from that alumni base in order to be a successful head football coach. Um, which is kind of unique, I think, to a lot of different places. Um, you know, college is kind of unique that way to a lot of other sports jobs in that you have to have the buy-in from that larger group of people. Um, and, I mean, I think that's really what he's done is he's, he's really changed that. I, but, you know, I, I think the biggest manifestation of that is the fact that, you know, we lost our offensive coordinator this last year, and everybody was worried it was because Beatty was, you know, was uh, had too much of a stranglehold on things and was taking things over, and there was no way that we were going to be able to get a decent offensive coordinator. And then we went ahead and went out and stole the offense. You know, we, we went out and stole a guy from a conference rival um, who usually does pretty well. So, I mean, I'm not th- – the fact we were able to turn it around so quickly and get a guy that's so well-respected to come in and fill that staff position after we've lost people, it shows that – our guys are moving on to bigger and better things, but we're not falling behind the eight ball again. We're actually able to go out and continue to build and to continue to find people that can push that vision forward as opposed to having to restart and finding someone new and bringing them in um, and just rebooting everything again, which is kind of what happened to us with the last few coaches. You know, it got to the point we would lose people and we could never recover from it. And then we lost head coach and had to reboot everything. So I think that's the main thing that gives me optimism going forward, that we're going to be able to keep this going. Um, Obviously, there is still a lot to still happen. We have to see that improvement on the field, or else I don't know that Beatty's really going to get an opportunity, um, even though he just got that extension, um, just got that big raise. Kind of like what I was talking about right before it happened, actually. I think his extension was – um, more of a fact that it needed to be done in order to bring in an offensive coordinator that had a little bit of clout. Um, so I, I don't know that it was necessarily the vote of confidence that everybody immediately thought it was afterwards. Um, I think it was more kind of a he's getting paid so so little amount that we have to bump it up if we want to try to bring anybody in. Um, so, I mean, I think that there is still kind of that room to to flush it all and reboot if he really does not get any kind of progress. But um, just the attitude around the program has changed. And, and I think that that right there is kind of half of what he had to do anyway um, by getting the public and getting people to not necessarily laugh at Kansas football anymore. 
uh, when they think about it, that there's a fact that it actually could potentially turn around. I think that's the first step and kind of gives me hope going into the future. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think Beatty still has some time left, uh, you know, to keep, to keep working. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I don't expect a bowl game or, or a winning season this year. I, I do expect to be more competitive. Uh, I do expect a, a solid defense. So that one's, you know, that's all on Clint Bowen. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, baby might recruit him, but you know, Clint's got to get out there and coach him. And, uh, you know, he's been around for a while. So, uh, uh, but uh, the offense definitely needs to take a step forward. The offensive line definitely needs to take a step forward this year, and and those are on Beatty, and you know by extension Meacham. Uh, so I, I definitely think they have one more year at least, and then if you know they go out and win, uh, you know seven eight games in in 2018, or you know heck maybe they win 10 or 11, and and Beatty takes uh, you know the Texas A&M job when Kevin Sumlin gets fired. You know I I don't know. Uh, right. Anything could happen at that point, but uh, you know that that's <laughs> if Beatty takes another job because he won 11 games at Kansas, you know I'll I will I will take that. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think if that happens and it gets turned around, that kind of shows that that you know I mean if if someone with no head coaching experience before he got here can turn it around and do that well in a conference that's this difficult, um, yeah, that that definitely puts us in a really good position to get a really good head coach and kind of continue that success. So I would take that any day. Um, him him turning it around to the point that he gets hired on somewhere else because he was so successful. So um, especially given you know all the questions that we've had about the fact he has no experience. So all right, well I think that about wraps up our football talk. Do you uh, mind hanging out with me for uh, one one more segment here? We can talk a little bit about the uh, the other news for uh, KU this week. The other the other sports. Yeah, let's do it. All right, give me. Uh, we'll we'll go take just one more quick break, and then we'll be right back. We'll we'll talk a little baseball, um, maybe some softball and golf if if we get a chance. We'll be right back on on the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. back uh this is uh andy mitch still here with with mike plank uh we we just got done talking a little bit of football we're going to go ahead and turn our attention now to kind of the other sporting news that happened um for ku in the last couple of weeks um first of all let's uh let's just uh mention briefly um for ku golf uh, chase hannah was able to uh, win the big 12 title um this year which it's, it's a pretty big accomplishment for him the team, in, as a whole, finished third in the Big Twelve. Um, I don't. I don't imagine, Mike. Do you have any uh, comments you want to you want to say about that uh, golfing title for him? Yeah, I, I can't say that I uh, that I was able to catch any of that or you know any, any, anything like that. I just yeah. saw the headline and thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, you know, we actually had a conversation on the on the site the other day about the other KU sports and activities. Um, you know, KU debate is has been uh, pretty good nationally for a long time. They actually have five national titles. Um, that was a point that kind of came up. It's so it's it's always good to see these other, I guess, quote unquote, non-revenue sports do really well. Um, you know, Chase Chase Hanna, he's kind of been in the in the headlines in the golfing world for KU um, for quite a while now. So it's nice to see him go out with a with a Big 12 title. Um, other news: uh, the softball team. Has been doing pretty well, although tonight they had a, a, a doubleheader. Uh, their their senior night was tonight. 
Uh, they actually dropped both games to Texas, but they had been doing pretty well. Um, unfortunately, the last the last couple games have not gone well, but but they did in the midweek. Uh, they they won a, a series against Nevada. Um, but the but the biggest news I think has been this KU baseball team. Um, I, I know you were excited to kind of talk a little bit about them. They have have actually been on fire in the in the month of April. Um, let me. I believe it. They are 11 and six in the month of April. Um, they've kind of been blazing through the Big 12. Um, I mean, there's really no team that's really gotten out to a huge lead um, prior to the weekend. They were tied for fourth place, I believe. They won their uh, – they actually had a, a really good series – or, yes, yeah, series win against Oklahoma down in Norman. That was the first time mm-hmm. they've done that. I, I'm trying to remember the year, but it's been a really long time since they've done that. Um, actually, I think it's the first time that they won a series at in Norman. So, yeah. Or maybe it was like since 2000 or so. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I think either it's been a while or it was the first time, one or the other. I think what I saw online was that the last time they did it was, I believe, in 1995. So it's been a really long time since they've done it. Um, you know, and, and honestly, as the only Big 12 team that is not above 500 with an overall record right now, um, you know, I think it's pretty impressive the fact that they are still kind of in that Big 12 race, and, and they're getting pretty hot at the right time here. So um, did you have any thoughts you wanted to share about the baseball team, Mike? I mean, nothing specific. I can throw out a few stats at you. They actually are in sole possession of fourth place right now, uh, <laughs> even with the loss tonight against Baylor. Uh, you, they, they're, they're at 8-8. Eight eight. Uh, Oklahoma was 6-6 six and six going into the nine. I don't know if Oklahoma won or not, but either way, Kansas is still in, in sole possession of uh, – uh, uh, fourth place uh, in the Big 12, and I, I would just like to note that the uh, the vaunted uh, K-State baseball program uh, is four and eleven and in dead last place. So I, I just thought I would throw that out there real quick. But uh, yeah, they've been really impressive the last uh, what four weeks or so. Uh, let's see, uh, they are up to. <laughs> this is not going to sound impressive, but uh, they are up to hitting at 2.43 as a team, which is. Uh, 14 or 15 points higher than it was a month ago. So they, their hitting is coming around. Uh, they're starting to hit the ball some more. Uh, they still only have nine home runs as a team on the year. The next lowest total is 28 in the conference. So there's still a big, big power discrepancy there. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're getting on base. They're, they're moving guys over. They're scoring enough runs. And, and their pitching's keeping them in games. They have two of the top ten pitchers in the conference uh, in uh, – Taylor Tursky and Sean Rakowski. Uh, so, you know, those, they, they, get, they have a great chance to win every Friday and Saturday night. And, you know, Sundays in college baseball, I don't, you know, how many, I don't know how many college baseball fans we have here, but Sundays is kind of a crapshoot. Anything can happen on a Sunday game, uh, you know, because each team has their third best pitcher going and, and uh, things can usually get pretty interesting. But uh, a couple of fun stats there for you, and, and hopefully they can uh, – Hopefully they can make a run in the conference tournament because I don't think they're getting that large bid to the to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think it would take a miracle. I think they'd have to win out at this point to even really be in contention for an at-large bid. But, you know, I mean, this yeah. is the kind of year that they've been having that, I, you know, the last time they won the Big 12 conference tournament, they, they won it as a 60. Um, and it was kind of a similar story that they, they started the year out really not too hot. Um, and then from there they – um, you know, from, from there, they turned it on in Big 12 play and were able to get a nice draw and, and were able to put together a few games and, and actually came out as a champion. Now, 
Um, and, and they actually did win a game or two, I believe, in their, in their uh, regional there. They lost in the, in the regional final. Um, yeah, I, I, to Kentucky, I want to say it was to Oregon State, but maybe I'm not remembering correctly. No, I was, I was thinking Kentucky. Oh, you know what? Yeah, that, that, that was just a couple years ago. But that was, well, oh, yeah, yeah. I believe they made oh, you're, it. You're talking about those things. Okay. Um, yeah, the last time that they made it as the conference champion, I see. Um, they yeah. they went out west. I remember I was actually, I believe I was still in school at that point. So it would have been like yeah. Oregon, Oregon State, right? Yeah. But anyway, so I mean, yeah, they, you know, the other thing is when you talk about the statistics, um, the average, I believe, you know, most, most people that follow baseball think about the fact that a 300 average is, is good for professional baseball. Um, I think the last I read for for college baseball, an average player, an average batter is right at about 250. Um, and so, yeah, but I mean, obviously that's for an individual player, uh, kind of the replacement level player. Um, you would expect most teams to actually be a little bit higher than that. Um, yeah, Kansas is actually dead last as of um, going into today. They were dead last in batting in the conference. Um, this is overall, this isn't conference games only. Um, right, right. So, yeah, at, at, at 243, they were dead last in that. They were dead last in on-base percentage. So, overall, their batting, you're right, has not been that great on the year, but they've definitely picked it up in the last few years or the last few weeks here. Um, and, and pitching even, their, their ERA is actually at 420, which is um, third worst in the conference. So, I mean, most of that's in the bullpen, to be, to be fair, yeah, most of that's in the bullpen. Right. Like you were saying, individual pitching, um, you know, we have actually two of the top ten. I, I think that's what you had said. We have um, the ninth and tenth rated, and I'm trying to see how this is sorted by. I believe it's sorted by ERA. Um, so Taylor Tursky has a 3.28 ERA. Um, he, he gave up a few runs tonight, though, so uh, that's probably going to go up. He may not be yeah. on the list anymore. Yeah. Um, and then Sean Rakowski uh, came in at 10 with a 3.35 ERA. So the one thing I will say about Taylor, um, he actually has a batting average of 204, meaning that, you know, p- people that are facing him are batting 204 against him. So that's really, really good for a pitcher. Um, a-, a lot of the guys that have better ERAs have much worse batting averages. Right. So he's, he's yeah. actually doing pretty well. It looks like he's running into a little bit of bad luck, yeah. Watching the game tonight, he definitely ran into um, some some bad luck there. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, the, the the baseball team is definitely giving us something to look forward to uh, coming up here in the next few weeks. Um, you know, we we do have some other sports that hopefully will kind of give us some more headlines that we can talk about. But uh, I, I think that about wraps it up for us today. Was was there any kind of final thoughts you wanted to leave us with, Mike? Well, I do want to add one more thing about the about the baseball team just real quick. Uh, four weeks ago, we had one player hitting over, uh, let's see here, hitting over 260. Uh, as of today, we have, let me get back to it, we have four players hitting over 260. So like I said, the offense has really come around over the last four weeks, and most of that is conference play. So that 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 does give us some some hope for, for May and, uh, you know, we'll just kind of have to play it out and, and see what happens. Yep. And, and kind of to, to go along with that, I'm looking now at the conference only statistic for big 12 only games. Um, and yeah, Kansas does a, a lot better job here. They're actually right in the middle of the pack at number five, um, for batting average. Surprisingly though, their batting average is only three points higher, 
um, than the overall one. So what that really means is that, um, you know, the, the rest of the conference isn't necessarily doing as well in conference um, as, as Kansas is, which I guess in and of itself is kind of a, uh, an, an accomplishment there because you've got to think, you know, the Big 12 is actually a pretty good baseball conference. The fact that everyone else is kind of struggling, whereas Kansas is at least maintaining it and maybe improving just a little bit is definitely something um, to kind of be proud of. The, the, the pitching is actually rated number three in the conference in conference games. Um, so they're definitely improving there. And, you know, looking at the batting, we um, James Constantino is actually ranked number six uh, in batting average in just the Big 12 games. Um, so, yeah, we, we are definitely doing a lot better in conference, I think, at least batting-wise, uh, which, which is a big reason for the improvement. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll kind of leave it at that. Um, the next episode of the podcast will probably be sometime next week. I'm not sure. Um, there's, there's a few other things that I, that I wanted to talk about, but I think it's kind of, kind of better to leave that to a few other guests. At some point, I want to try to get um, David on the podcast so we can talk about his uh, all-post-Mangino team. Um, there were a few guys on there, I think, that, that I was wondering a little bit about. But uh, it, it'll be nice to try to talk with him and see if we can kind of get a little bit more explanation into how he selected those, and, and we can kind of chat about that. Um, and, and, and maybe we can have you back for that one as well, Mike. Um, and then hopefully we'll have some other news to talk about with the basketball team. Um, if, if not, there are definitely a few topics that we can talk about. Um, a note here to the reader or to the readers and the listeners, um, you know, we are still looking for people that want to help contribute to the podcast. If you want to come on as a guest and, and take some time and chat with me or one of our other editors, uh, we, we can definitely set something up. If there's a particular topic that you're really passionate about, you really have a, an interesting take that you want everybody to hear about, um, we definitely want to go ahead and include that. Um, this, again, like, like I said in our last post, the podcast really is about our community. So if there's anybody in the community that wants to help contribute to it and help make this podcast a better thing to listen to, we are definitely all for that. Um, there's definitely a lot of things happening in the world of college basketball or college football that relate back to Kansas that we're definitely, you know, going to have some sort of take on. And we'd like to get as many voices as possible on the podcast. So, Mike, yeah, I def definitely agree with that. And I I'd also like to add, you know, if, if you're listening and, and you're not a regular commenter, but uh, you think maybe you'd like to write, uh, you know, shoot me an email, send Andy an email, uh, you know, let one of us know, and we'll talk to you a little bit about that. And, uh, you know, the, the, the pay is great and the benefits are even better. So, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, most definitely. All right. Well, um, and, and if, if you did want to get in touch with us or, you know, we are always taking, uh, podcast questions, if you had anything or, or any suggestions on topics that we can talk about, um, you, you can send it to one of us personally. You can also send it to the email for the website. It is uh, rockchalk. Well, I'm sorry. It's, it's rctsbn at gmail.com. So that's rockchalktalksbnation, um, that abbreviation there, at gmail.com. Or you can always reach out to us on Twitter, at rockchalktalk. Um, we don't have any other social media places right now other than, of course, Facebook. Um, you, can, you can leave us a message on our Facebook page or kind of comment on Facebook. We're always, we're always open to interacting with you guys in any way possible. So um, feel, feel free to contact us in any of those locations, and we'll definitely get back with you and try to see how we can incorporate your guys' ideas. So, Mike, I, I want to thank you again for joining me today, and uh, we will, we will uh, talk with you guys again soon.
And uh, just put it out there. It's facebook.com slash rockchalktalk. Very simple. And uh, maybe a little nugget preview real quick, Andy. Yeah, go ahead. I, I just want to tell everybody, you know, and maybe we can discuss this next podcast. But uh, the 2017 volleyball team is going to be something special, I think. But we can talk about more about that next week. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a good uh, topic for, for the next podcast. So we can have something good to talk about next week. Sounds good. All right. All right. A little bit of a teaser there. Thanks again, guys, for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Podcast Network.